Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, we had a little bit of fun in the opening half hour of the show. Welcome back, everybody. It's Oilers now. It's 1235 in Edmonton, where guests on the show receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery, uh, and that is for Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10. Uh, the delivery is done through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Altaf will take care of you at Roos Chris. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, name the player. We're going to do that in the first half hour of each show on uh, uh, Friday shows here, uh, now that we are indeed in the Oilers unfortunate off season so the first hint was played uh went 13 seasons in between playing in the nhl the second hint was he was a stanley cup champion the third hint was that he played at edmonton which immediately had a bunch of you thinking he played for the oilers i said he played at edmonton um the fourth hint was he was as tough as nails and had uh, multiple stick swinging incidents involved uh, when he played, so that sort of gave you a sense of uh, of sort of the time frame we're talking about. Somebody texted and said, "Was it Joe Watson?" So then I gave you the fifth hint: No, he was paired with Joe Watson. And I will tell you that somebody else said, "Was it Eddie Shack?" And I will subsequently mention to that, no, this guy actually had two stick-swinging incidents with Eddie Shack. And we will tell you that uh, Phil, Fear the Finn, he's a San Jose Sharks fan, knew the correct answer was Larry the Rock Zidell, one of the toughest players. Don Sherry would tell you one of the toughest players in NHL history. He won a Stanley Cup with the Red Wings in 1951-52. He played at Edmonton with the Flyers in 52-53, played a complete season with Chicago and the Blackhawks in 53-54, and then went 13 seasons, uh, came back and played for the Edmonton Flyers in 54-55. Very good player in the the old uh, WHL, uh, which was at that time a pro league. Resurfaced in 1967-68, because of his relationship to former Edmonton Flyer players who ended up running the Philadelphia Flyers as an expansion franchise in the NHL. That is where he was paired up with Joe Watson, and that is where he had his second stick-swinging incident with uh, 
Eddie Shack and uh, had a successful business career after and then ended up passing away at the age of 86 uh, with uh, dementia. The family donated his brain and they figured uh, to science, they figured he'd had over 100 concussions during his career. But when you talk to old school guys, Larry the Rock Seidel was amongst the toughest uh, in uh, in NHL and hockey history. Uh, we are joined by Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers in the River Cree Resort and Casino. Elliot, welcome back to the show. Would you have had any clue on the first uh, four hints? Uh, went 13 seasons between playing in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup, played at Edmonton, and considered one of the toughest players in hockey history. Because I'm I'm going to guess you're you're pretty knowledgeable as to who Larry the Rock Seidel was. Uh, yeah, but I probably wouldn't have gotten it, to be perfectly honest. I, I have to tell you, your clues were, like, just obscure enough that and that I might not have thought about it without doing some research. The rarity of somebody getting back into the league 13 years after the fact? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, but how many, what, what's that, 50, 60 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, we got, you know what, we have knowledgeable listeners. Like, there were some guys that were sussing it out, were figuring it out on the fly. It was pretty interesting. Okay. And you're Good obvious, for them. Very and, impressive. You're, you're obvious, you are obviously familiar with, uh, you know, the, I, I know Don Cherry has told stories about him. And, oh, I, yes. And, and this, this, when you said the stick swinging stuff, I kind of figured it out. Like, that's yeah. where... That's where it got a bit more obvious. Unfortunately, that's kind of what he's known for a bit. Right, but he was, him and Connie Mad Dog Madigan were two of the, t- you know, it's funny, Guile Fielder was one of the greatest scorers in the old WHL history. He was, the, yeah. you know, but, but you had, you know, Mad Dog Madigan was uh, out the Western Hockey League back in the day. Uh, and so too was uh, Zidell. He played in Edmonton, but he also played with Guile, Guile Fielder in Seattle with the Totems in the mid 60s. So interesting stuff nonetheless. Uh, and unfortunately, Elliot, we're doing, we're, you know, I want to have, I want the Friday shows to be a little looser to have some fun. Uh, okay. frustration, frustration in oil country. And I know NHL hockey on Rogers and Sportsnet was hoping for a six or ga- seven game series with the Jets. You got about six or seven games worth of minutes played, uh, triple overtime in the, in the, in the fourth game. But, uh, certainly for you guys and for us as the Oilers Radio Network, we obviously wanted to see things get extended. What was your takeaway from the Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg series, Elliot? Well, uh, just that Winnipeg is deeper. And I thought depth won the series, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I thought that uh, you had guys that really showed up and competed hard, no question about it. But they're, they're a deeper team than you. And with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line, you just didn't have enough offensive depth. They had three very dangerous lines. And I thought all of their D really rose to the challenge from uh, Logan Stanley on up. I, I felt that they were competitive. I felt they really battled. I, uh, like, to me, that's the difference is that, you know, they could count on more of their roster than you guys felt you could count on. And that's why they won the series. And obviously goaltending is big. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything about that, but the bottom line to me is that Winnipeg won the series because they're a deeper team and their coach trusted more of their players than uh, your coach did. Well, there's no question. I mean, now they went with 10 forwards. The Oilers ultimately only went with nine. Uh, Edmonton cut down on the four defense, and, uh, well, the, the situation was what it was. Tell me this. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far in Toronto and Montreal? 
Oh, I thought that was a big win for Montreal last night. They scored at the beginning of the game. Kelly, Rudy, and Kevin Bieksa talked about how they had to score some greasy goals, and they did. Uh, that certainly did happen. Uh, and then, you know, I, I really, to be honest, I, I thought Toronto was going to come back and win that game last night. They got it to overtime, and then obviously Montreal capitalized on the giveaway. Two great offensive talents. You don't want, like, if you're coming down two on none from Montreal, there's probably a lot of guys you would pick before you saw Suzuki and Caulfield, and, and they played it to perfection, no question about it. That was a big, greasy win for Montreal. Price was really good. Um, you know, they competed. They battled. I mean, to me, the whole playoffs is about that. Um, you have to be able to compete and battle. Um, you know, I, I didn't like the fact that no penalties were called on McDavid in your series. I think it's a really bad look for the NHL. Yep. But the, the playoffs are all about competing and battling for spots and battling for your ice. And, uh, you know, Montreal did that last night. And they, they battled Toronto hard. Um, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of defeatist Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I, I've heard from a lot of them in the last 12 hours. Why? Um, they're, they're the better <laughs> team. They're going to win the series. Come they're on. They're the better team, but you have to understand the way people here think. Bob, you just have, there's there's a whole mindset of defeatism when it comes to Maple Leaf Nation. So I, I agree. I think they've been pretty good. I think they're still the favorite. But you know, there's a there's a funny way of things going here in this city, and they automatically assume the worst is going to happen. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night, the first NHL game in Canada this year with fans. Uh, it's about time we get to see it, and I'm really looking forward to it. No chance they lose that series. No chance. Though I will Bob, tell you that the majority... Are, you're going to be on uh, old takes exposed for this, you know, potentially. I'm gonna t- I will tell you, uh, I'm getting the sense, because I asked the question point blank on the River Cree Resort Casino, uh, uh, or on the uh, Ashley Fine Floors text line and on our River Cree Resort Casino hotline, you know, who do you want to see win the series? Uh, Montreal, Toronto, or you don't care that the Oilers are out? You would be surprised. Or, 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 you, or you open up the, the, you hope the ground opens up and swallows both teams? Like, is that not an option? No, that was not an option, but I will tell you, there okay. seems, surprisingly, Elliot, there seems to be overwhelming support for Montreal. Uh, to I'm not, believe me, I'm not surprised in the least. <laughs> As I, I know s- how you Albertans feel about Ontario. As we as we sat there and uh, took him down a wild goose chase trying to figure out who the hell I was talking about, Larry the Rock Zidell, uh, with uh, and you're right, those were not easy hints. And I was going back 60 or 70. But, yeah, so I would say 80-20 in support for the Canadians as opposed to I am people. not surprised in the least bit. I am no. not surprised at all. Elliot, I'm here to tell you, Montreal's too banged up. They lack the depth. Toronto is going to win this series. Uh, I don't know if they beat Winnipeg, but they're going to beat Montreal. Okay? It's, okay. It's, it's going to happen. And you know what? They need to because uh, I, I can't imagine how certain parts of the country would rejoice. That I mean, hypothetically, if, if Toronto were to lose the series, that would mean they still hadn't won a series since Austin Matthews was six, right? Uh, was he born in 1998? <laughs> yes. Yes. And then that's correct. Yes. <laughs> Yes, oh, they'll win. They'll, they'll, and, and if the Canadians have been completely healthy, to me, this this would have been a closer series. So, all right, and, we, you can make all the predictions you want. And I often am wrong, just just so you know. Hey, uh, Helene, Helene Elliott has just reported that uh, 
the Ducks have, uh, Bob Murray has finally spoken in a belated season wrap-up presser. Uh, he says he will return next season and so too will Dallas Aikens. Uh, and then they've already begun conversations with Ryan Getzlaff, who's represented by Jerry Johansson, who's always yeah. quick. He's always quick to return your calls. Uh, this, yeah. this, this, this is not a surprise to you, is it, that both uh, Murray and Aikens are back? No, it, it isn't, but it did take longer than I thought, Bob. I, I have to tell you that. It's one of those things where the longer it kind of goes, you're sitting there and you're saying, what exactly am I not seeing here? Um, it, it, it did take longer than I thought or expected, but uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that that is the eventual outcome. Big year for Anaheim next year. Both of them are going into the last year of their deal, so it's, it's a big year for them. Elliot, uh, what are you hearing about some of the open coaching jobs? What's going on in New York with the Rangers? Um, is it a guarantee it's going to be a veteran coach? I would think so. I would be shocked if it wouldn't be. Um, I think that uh, I think Galan is is very much in the mix there, um, but I think they're looking at you know they've interviewed Tockett, um, and I think they're going to. I I just think that a lot of people wanted to see the dust kind of settle over the next you know over the end of this round just to see where everything kind of stood. Uh, you know, I, I think Galan's got a great shot at that job, but I think it's it's going to be a veteran for sure. Um, Buffalo, I think his, they interviewed Tockett this week. They've interviewed some college coaches. Um, you know, I think that's kind of where they are right now. I think they're going to talk to a lot of people. Um, you know, Todd Nelson, a guy you know very well, Bob, he's going to interview in Arizona and Columbus. Columbus is going to talk to Gallant. I think Columbus is going to talk to some uh, potentially some younger guys too. Uh, Arizona, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to talk to uh, Mike Van Ryan from uh, from St. Louis. I think those are some of the names. Uh, Rocky Thompson, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on their list too. He's a guy, another guy that you know pretty well. But I think what everybody's kind of waiting for is. You know, does anyone does does the first round determine anything? Um, you know, one guy who's not available yet, and nobody thinks is going to be available until they're done, is Lane Lambert from the Islanders. And you know, Lou Lamorello has rules, and one of those rules is that you don't interview until you're done. So I think there are some teams that would like to talk to Lambert, but he's not going to be available. Uh, in the short term, now that they've won a round, they're going to play Boston. So I think his availability could potentially hold some of these things up. Uh, Elliot, uh, there's another name I'd like to mention. What is going to happen in Pittsburgh? New president, new GM, three straight yeah. first-round losses for Mike Sullivan, highly respected coach around the year. And could he be, theoretically, might he be what the Rangers are looking for? Well, I think he's going to speak to the media in 10 minutes, so we'll probably get a better picture. Okay. Um, um, I, like, I've, I've heard, like, there's a lot of people making the same circumstantial commentary that you are. New leadership group, um, you know, three cops, then a second round loss, then three first, or two cops, then a second round loss, and then three firsts. Um, I, I think you're hearing a lot of that. You know, the one thing is, is that um, he's got three years left under contract there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how everybody feels. The other thing, too, is I think he's a great coach. So do I. Um, you know, he's, he's done a good job there. 
Like this series this week, I thought it was a pretty even series. I, I just think Sorokin badly outdueled Jari. When, when Sorokin got the net, he took over the series. And that was the biggest disparity between the two teams. I think in a lot of the non-goaltender play, um, I thought Pittsburgh and the Islanders were pretty even. And then at one very critical position, obviously, the Islanders were much better. And that's the difference to me in this series. Like, I, I don't. I mean, I guess you could criticize them for not going to uh, Legacy earlier, but or even going to him at all. But you know, that's a tough call in that situation. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I, like, I, like I got to tell you, like you know, maybe they feel they need a change of voice. If everybody thinks that, that's one thing. But Bob, like I'm looking at the Penguins. And yes, you have to address your goaltending position, but I'm not panicking that much more than that. Yeah, uh, it was interesting with Tristan Jari, who we saw bounce back a couple times in junior with the last Western Hockey League team to win the Memorial Cup in 2014, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, I'm, this is going to be an intriguing time to him. Work rate might be the key for him, but I'm, I actually thought the Penguins outplayed the Islanders other than in goal. And it's funny, we, we had, it, it, it's funny this time. We didn't see as much criticism directed McDavid and Drysaddle's way with Edmonton losing a win because the Oilers played better than they did a year ago against Chicago, but they mm-hmm. ran up against the goalie with a 950. And conversely, Crosby's now won three playoff games in the last uh, three playoff sweet seasons because he got swept by the Islanders a couple years ago. Last year, mm-hmm. losing four to Montreal, losing six this year. And we all know how great of a player Sid still is. I think Pittsburgh's right there, and I, I'm with you. But I just wonder, you know, you never know. And, it, and it's partially- the only way. The only way you're doing it, Bob, is if you feel the message is not getting through anymore, because he's been there for six years sure. or however sure. long it is. That's the only way. Reason I think you do it, but I think it's. I think you could do a hell of a lot worse when it comes to coaches than Mike Sullivan. And the chances are that you, you may like, you know, like that, like that's the thing, like, you know, the Pittsburgh guys, no talk it. Maybe they would say, okay, we have a ready-made solution here. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my butt, but I think you could do a heck of a lot worse as a coach than Mike Sullivan. I'm going to have to talk to Todd McClellan. I see they hired four new guys with L.A. and he didn't call me. I'm going to take that personally. Uh, very quickly, Elliot, Zach. You should never out your sources in public like that. I, have no, I, I don't have any sources. Everybody knows that. I, so I don't ever- Just so everybody listening to this now knows, if Bob ever gets anything on the Kings, you know who it's from. I never get anything on the Kings. I don't know, Bob. You just outed your source there, man. Uh, no, I'm really upset they didn't at least give me a call. Uh, with all with all seriousness here, uh, and we won't draw any uh, parallels to Terry Bagula's uh, alma mater at Penn State, none whatsoever. Uh, very very quickly, just on Zach Hyman. Okay. Yeah. Love him. Could Zach Hyman yeah. end up becoming like you think? Edmonton Oiler. Could Zach Hyman be, be, end up becoming one of the biggest names on the free agency market at forward? I mean, this he is could. A I mean, there's no, there's no question about it. Like, you know, Toronto can't do. He, he can't. He can't get his market value in Toronto. But right. you know, you know, he's got a, obviously he's got a huge attachment to it. He's from here. He's yep. got a lot invested here. His wife's from here. They're starting a family. You know, like, like to me. I, I think that every, like everybody wants this to work out. The team wants it to work out. The player wants it to work out. But that doesn't mean it won't be a challenge. 
And, you know, you know, another team is going to have to know that if you want to get him out of Toronto, you're really going to have to blow them out of the water. And do I think teams will try? Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, I, I think the challenge is going to be how much more do you have to do it to get him to move and how far can Toronto go? Like, that's what I think they're all working on right now. Could you foresee a scenario where they? I think Hyman could get six million a year, six or seven years on the open market. I think uh, it's possible. I think it's I, absolutely possible. I, I will. I'm going to guarantee you he's in the mix for Team Canada. He's too good of a player not to be. So on that note, with the Leafs, it, it, because of how much he drives play for them, and Nylander's a good player. He's been a productive player in this playoff series. Would they move Nylander to make room for Hyman? It, you know, the tough thing right now is Nylander's been their best forward. See, I'm a big believer, Bob, that the playoffs were always going to dictate Toronto's choices, right? Right now, Nylander's been their best forward. And it's not only the points. I Like the, like the way he uses his stick to win pucks off other people, he's been doing a great job at it. Um, like, you know... Right now, I don't think you're trading him. Now, who knows? This could all change. Somebody could go into a slump. Somebody could come back. But, you know, if, if playoff determines your future on a team, right now, you're not trading that guy. Elliot, love having you on the show. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins PR department's calling you right now to hook you up for that conference call with Mike Sullivan. I, so, I, you uh, know, it's just a but- there's a thing on the computer. It's called Zoom. You know, you can just click into it. I had no idea what that was, nor Netflix, <laughs> two, two years ago. Now I'm well averse to both. Love having you on the show, Elliot. Thank you for your time. Hey, Bob, always great chatting with you. Have a great weekend, okay, man? You bet. Uh, that's Elliot Freeman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for the River Cree Resort Casino. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll take a two-and-a-half-minute timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Thanks, Leon. It's 12.57 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you at Oilers Now. As we go into the Oilers Now injury report, brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. All season long, they supported the 630 Chad Santa's anonymous uh, group by donating $100 per Oilers goal scored this season. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Jim Brown, Trent Brown, James H. Brown, they're the best. All right, Brendan, you're on the spot. Go for it. What do you got? Don't worry about the Oilers. We know Oscar Clefbaum's obviously a big storyline in the offseason. What else you got around the league of note? Well, Ryan Reeves is on the league's COVID list, which explains why he was a late scratch in Game 6 for Vegas. Max Pacioretty, who hasn't played yet uh, with an undisclosed injury, he has a game-time decision for tonight's Game 7. And uh, Islanders forward, former first-round pick uh, Oliver Wallstrom, doubtful for Game 1 tomorrow against Boston. 12-58. In Edmonton, we will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook when we return for the horses and horse racing Alberta, Mark Spector. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.